Welcome back to Disgusting Baseball. This is episode 206. I am your host, Matt Lyons. And on this week's episode, we're talking about the first Guardian series of 2023 against the Mariners. We'll answer some of your questions. And meatballs are back, and they are juicy. Join me for all that and more another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm jacked up for the big game tonight. Which one am I talking about? Doesn't matter anymore. It could be baseball, because it's on every day now, forever. And we're all happy again. I'm happy I'm great, Matt. I had a great weekend. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it was a, you actually got to go to a game, which I thought was I uh, did. Fair. Very exciting. A lot of fun. Well, well you went to time. a national game, so I don't know about excited. Well, hey, I saw a team that won a World Series. Uh, two teams that have won World Series in the last, what, three, four years or something like that. Because they were playing the Braves, too. So At least you got to see the Braves. Let's I missed a lead-off home run because I was getting a beer. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, who does that at the beginning, though? That's I mean, I haven't been to a ton of baseball games, but I think I would wait a little bit. So they have these like grab and go things, right? Like, where you're, like there's not even a person like, working there anymore. It's just like you grab a beer out of the cooler real quick, and it scans it, and you and you pay and go. It's, you're supposed to take like ten seconds. Anyway, the person in front of me was the slowest human being on earth, and I thought I had a few more minutes. And it turns out that Ronald Acuna Jr. has home run power, uh, so I missed that. And then I uh, Matt Olson hit a home run right after that, and all I saw was the <laughs> I saw the, second the half scoreboard of the taking up while you're still so like, waiting for your beer. God damn it. Luckily, it wasn't a two, a two to nothing game. I would have jumped out of a window because no one wants to sit around watching Josiah Gray get lit up. Oh God, he's bad. Nat's bad. Whew. They are. They are a very bad team. It, and it was. It was kind of fun that this weekend because normally they they open in Cleveland, so there's always like the built-in off day in case there's rain, and there's usually rain. Yeah. But we were one of the few teams that got to play on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, just four games, just bang bang. I was like, this is awesome. I, love, I, I took Friday off from work. I usually take opening day off because they were playing out west. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, I'll just uh, take the next day off so I can stay up until 1 a.m. to watch uh, baseball. And I was like, well, I'll just watch other games during the day. And there were like no other games all afternoon, which was a little frustrating. But I just had a nice day anyway. So there you go. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually not hating. I still hate them. The late games as much. Mm-hmm. And they're growing on me, weirdly enough. But I'm glad we're not going to have to do them anymore. But um, starting at 940 is not so bad when it's compared to nothing for, for so many months. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Uh, I think it's time we talk about maybe some... Uh, some some baseball the Guardians have played. You know what we usually do about when we talk about. Tell me, this is one of your worst transitions yet, man. We, Listen, I, 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 it's uh, it's the first one of the year, Merritt. It's not. Shut up. I did not tee up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Meatball. Meatballs, Merritt. That's what we're talking about. Uh, little tidbits. We're we're kind of just combining segments here because normally meatballs is just a way to avoid a general talking about every single series and to focus on one really cool thing that happened. But um, but we're just going to combine them because there's only been one series and there's not a whole lot of news. So just talking about. What we, we saw when we watched the Mariners and the Guardians play. And, and good news, Merritt, it looks like our podcast name is relevant, at least for a little while, because yes. the Guardians are playing full-on disgusting baseball. Just nasty um, stuff. I have a friend who's a Mariners fan, and she was and she, she's a sorority oh, so for my wife, too. And she was like texting my wife, like, this is the worst baseball I've ever seen. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, I love this. You give me more. Yes. They're so back. I love what, it. What um, do you mean stressful? This is how a baseball should be. Ooh. <laughs> Especially now, man. Like, I think we said before that, the lack of shifts and the the bases and the throwing over, it's going to make the Guardian. Everything is built for the Guardi- Guardians to be better. I just, it'd be um, so funny if they just, if they just rush it. Wreck shit. <laughs> I know. I think even like the, the sped up pitch clock helps them because they're not a team that like a bunch of big lumbering guys who need to 
take their time and do whatever. Like they're just these little guys well, who just hit the ball throw wherever you want. I mean, there's a couple. Like Josh Bell's <laughs> walked a ton and attempted a stolen base, and it did not go well. But it was hilarious to watch as he, I, I would call it, fell backwards into first base as he yeah. slid. But it was not the most graceful thing. Anyway, as for the meatballs, uh, my first one is not exactly a going out on a limb. It's Tim Heron's four strikeouts and four at bats. That, that just had to be my meatball. He said in the post game interview his parents were scheduled to fly home on Sunday, but they changed their flight to a red eye so they could stay and watch it. Uh, the whole thing was just really cool. They showed them in the stands. But more importantly, he brought an absolutely nasty slider through 14 sliders and just four four mm. seamers. Gas. Um, it was absolute. I don't, is that gas or sliders gas? I thought it was. No, no. Seamers. He also had a good fastball. Is what he saying. did also have gas. Yeah, yeah. He had gas. He was hitting like 98, I think. It was excellent. I love him. Yeah. I'm like, hey, another guy. All right, sure. <laughs> I know. They just come out of the woodwork. And uh, to, to, steal, to basically steal a tweet from Sarah Langs, she said, Heron is the first pitcher since at least 1901 to face four batters and strike them all out in his MLB debut. So I think that's that's pretty good. Um Armo Doyle bullshit right there. <laughs> Um, and it's to make it more meatball-y, just, just hear me out. I mean, he wasn't Go exactly facing the heart of the, the order and, uh, not to get too far ahead of myself here, but he and Andrew Miller, that, that slider looks awfully familiar. I mean, Andrew Miller had a lot more things going for him than just this to slide. Hear me out, <laughs> but they, <laughs> no. they look very similar. The, just the, the break on them, like the, I, I look just the numbers just to make sure. And Herons is 10.8 inches on average. Miller's was 11.7 at average, which is ridiculous for. A slider, but they both have this thing where like they just sort of disappear and they end up in the catcher's hand in a different spot than we thought they would be going over the mm-hmm. plate. I don't know, man. That was a it's just a super good slider and it, it reminded me very slight shades. I mean, they're both lefties. Obviously, Andrew Miller is his own shape of a human, and Tim Heron is not there. But um, th- there was just a lot to like about Tim Heron, and he reminded me a lot of Andrew Miller. Not to not like put a comp on him after his first game, but he just reminded me a lot of him and the the excitement of seeing Andrew Miller come out of the bullpen. I think it's already going to happen with Heron now, just being excited to see if he can do that again every time until he doesn't do it, basically. Which Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely earned himself a spot. And you're right about yeah. the slider, too. It seemed like he could kind of shape it a little bit, too. Like, sometimes it would be snappier. Yeah. A couple of them would be snappier. Other times it would be a bit sweepier. Um, I mean, you know, in some ways it reminds me of the way that... Um, oh, my God. I can't remember his name now. The other gigantic lefty they have on the team. Sam Henches? Sam Henches. Well, yeah. he, he actually has, like, two distinct pitches, but... There's kind of a blur in between the two of them, and being on a team with Shane Bieber, who has effectively one breaking ball, but he kind of does whatever he wants with it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a very interesting kind of a, a new generation of still dirty pitches and also fastballs. I love to see it. And more, I was, um, I noted this. Um, I think it was the what game was it that I was watching. I think it was like the Yankees game on, on opening day too. Like they have like one lefty. Uh, like in the bullpen at all and i was boring my wife with a long diatribe the other day <laughs> after i noticed this <laughs> about the the overall the the pending death of the the loogie is gone as it is yeah but like the mediocre lefty no longer has the dream of being in a bullpen because you have to be someone like henges or heron or or whoever right where it's like i'm not a lefty i just have to be left-handed and i throw 97 with a slider that moves six feet that's another small death now because of Goddamn Rob Manfred uh, for the, the common man to have hope to play baseball, but what are you going to do? <laughs> and I think, I mean, you are absolutely spot on with the uh, the way he shapes his pitches. Because I was looking too, just just trying to find a, an extra meatball about Heron earlier. And I noticed that, like, you look at his baseball savant, they have the pitch movement, the scatter charts. And most of the time you see, like, a group of pitches up here or, like, their, their sinker, cutter, forcing or whatever. But Heron's slider is just, like, all over. It drops different amounts. I don't know how much of that is on purpose or if it's, just that ball is just out there doing his own thing when it's sliding, but it, it's almost like he has, it's not enough to be two distinct pitches, but it's very much like he's doing 
Something. One thing with a slider. Yeah, he's doing intentionally. Sometimes a slider falls further. Sometimes it doesn't, which is I think really fascinating. And I just can't and wait I, till we see more of him in the majors. And that's just one of those things. Which, like I don't just get good at with practice over time. I don't know, but again, if he's effective, even for a few months, I mean, I know we're going to cycle through a bunch of guys, but totally dope stuff, and I'm I'm very happy with the whole thing. So yeah. And I mean, do you keep him and Hentges both in the bullpen when when Hentges comes back? I mean, why not? Right, that's the thing. Like, they're not lefties; they're just guys who are good at pitching who happen to be left-handed. I mean, Hentges is great because he does have a distinct pitch to face off against right-handed guys. Like, you know, he, he throws a, like a he throws a sinker, so he can get some run in addition to his fastball. So he can get some run away from right-handed hitters. Uh, I don't know if um, I don't know if Heron has anything like that yet, but I would hold on to him because I mean. Honestly, I find it more impressive than Nick Sandlin. Sandlin's fine, and I, he's useful because he kind of gives you a weird different arm angle thing going on there. But just look, just briefly looking at the list of guys who they have in the bullpen, I would say just for velocity reasons alone, if we had to start making a choice once Hendricks comes back and assuming he's fully healthy, it's like you're looking at Eli Morgan or Nick Sandlin as the, as the odd man out. and like Or Curry. I mean, he's probably going to be... Oh, yeah. I, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot about him as well. <laughs> but then you okay. also have Cody Morris, too, who is going to be the one that bumps the next guy, whether it's right. like yeah. so, Morgan I mean, or Sandlin or, or whoever. They're getting to a point, just in general, honestly, where the, like, the Rays were forever, continue to be, where they just keep on producing these, these these faceless gentlemen who just are just, just, just like, oh, another one of them. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, like, why not? Get up there. <laughs> yeah, keep on going. Yeah. So I, I just figured this was part of uh, the long term plan of the team, along with their kind of adjusting how they did, um, you know. Offensive player development, which seems to be starting to pay dividends over the last couple of years. So maybe they saw this all coming down the pike um, with the whole, everyone knew all this was going to happen. Who are we kidding? Everyone knew the ship was going to be banned three years ago, four years ago. Like this stuff was going to happen. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. The, the year we hear about it, it was been ta- probably been talked about at privately in owners meetings and assumed it was going to happen eventually because some people bitched about it. But uh, yeah. All right, what's your? Uh, I, I know you have several meatballs. That was my only one, but I know you have a. I'm going to call this uh, this first one as one, and I'm going to call it base running. <laughs> uh, the first one goes like this. Uh, this was in game two. Uh, very simple. If you read it off the game day thing, Josh Bell grounds out third baseman and Eugenio Suarez to first baseman Ty France, Jose Ramirez to third, one out. Now, if you think about that, that's crazy because Jose Ramirez was on second. And the ball was hit to the third baseman. Why on God's green earth would a, would a runner go from second to third? But it was just one of those things that happens during a game that proves and shows why a player is that much better than others. Like he just read the entire situation so perfectly. This is the the, the broadcast was, was talking about how like the entire um, dugout went nuts when Jose Ramirez took third base. It's not a stolen base. It's just a sack, like a, 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 a sacrifice hit by, or a sacrifice by. Uh, Josh Bell, but just a dazzling feat, I think. Just a little thing that ended up, I, th- I think Ramirez ended up scoring there, too. Uh, and even if he didn't, like, you know, just continued pressure. And I think that's kind of the style of the, of the game that we like to see the Guardians play in general. But just a heady play by a guy who can also go 30-30, no problem. It's the kind of thing you expect a scrappy guy who's just trying to earn his way onto the field to do. And it just... I don't know. One of the things where I went, ooh, when it happened. And, you know, early in the season, especially when we don't have a lot of numbers to go off of, I loved it. You need those ooh moments early in the season to, to get by on. And um, Zach Meisel wrote today about, like, things that set the Guardians apart. And one of them was basically that, the way Jose Ramirez runs the bases, which is one that doesn't get talked about a lot. Because as much as the Guardians do it, like you said, it's not a stolen base, so it doesn't go down as... It's a statistical thing, really, but it's just so much pressure they put on all the time. I don't think yeah. you see it unless unless you're a Mariners fan and just watch it happen. 
Like nobody believes in Mariners fans, what just happened. They, they just see some baseball and some box scores, but but they know. <laughs> they yeah. watch what Jose Ramirez and Ahmed Rosario do to their team. Yeah, like that's the, the thing. Like the box score, obviously the box score is great, very important, but like there's so much you know, they, they, these are, when we talk about intangibles, this is a, this is the sort of thing that actually is an intangible because you can't really quantify this or put it anywhere. You can describe like you said, you can describe it to someone, but you can't and they're like, so what? And it's like, I don't know, man. It's like who does that? It's like I think that's that, that's the code to all of to any intangible, like actual thing. It's like it's crazy, you know. So it's like when um you know like a couple of times they were like when Albert Pujols had ten stolen bases, and you're like, how did he do that? He was his feet were made <laughs> up lead. So um so that's that's the first half. The second half you kind of touched on already. Uh, but did you know that last year Josh Bell was four hundred and thirty eighth overall in sprint speed and twenty fifth <laughs> among first basemen? <laughs> I I believe it. I I do not doubt that. Watching the Guardians are five and one, uh, five stolen bases in six attempts this year. Uh, that one caught stealing was the hilarious <laughs> attempt by, by Josh Bell. It was the I, best I, slide I've ever seen. I truly loved that. I was like, "What was my entire reaction?" <laughs> you know, last time he had a stolen base was 2018, and he had God, two man. of them that year, and also two I in just, 2017. I love, I love it, man. Already. I mean. Between him, I mean, Naylor tried a couple times in the spring. I think he tried some kind of t- take an extra base also and succeeded. Um, or no, it was uh, the the last game of the series, uh, the second last game of the series, where he, in the extra innings, he was able to get not an infield hit, but like run out, a beat a double play. And I'm just like, what is that? Oh, Naylor, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, Naylor. Well, he, yeah. he just ran so hard that it, I, I don't know how much he caused the bad throw, but I mean, without hustling, he might have, might not, that plate might not have gone as well as it did, but. I'm gonna he busted his the, ass down the uh, line there. I'm going to check the U.S. geological survey records for uh, right around that time <laughs> just to see if there was a minor earthquake and it, and it freaked out the first base because they thought Mount St. Helens was blowing up or something. It's like Marshawn Lynch in that one playoff game. Where, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, do you know who was first among all first basemen last year in sprint speed? Oh, Josh Naylor, obviously. No, it was Owen oh. Miller. <laughs> so oh, like, I believe that. Yeah. If it was Owen, I mean, he was a fat. Like, if it was yeah. Owen Miller starting at first, I don't know if he'd be on first base at that point, but he would have gotten a stolen base. And I just, oh, for sure. I thought that was very funny. That was part of the reason I think the Guardians had such a slanted, like every time you look at speed stats, they were so high up because their first baseman was Owen Miller, who mm-hmm. couldn't hit like a first baseman, but that boy sure was fast. You could sure run like a second baseman, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. jeez. <laughs> They're fast, though. Uh, do you have? Do you just have two, or do you have another one? I got, I got, like I got kind of a half of one. one. This is just an observation during Cal Quantrill's start, and it's backed up by it's halfway backed up by some math from the spring. Um, but I swear he was getting the ball out of his hands with like nine seconds left on the pitch clock, like consistently, like just get it and throw. And like you, you, and and you know, um, what do you call it? Stack hat or baseball savant has their new uh, pitch tempo, which is not the same as pitch timer like when they're getting the ball out of their hands between like the ball exiting the catcher's mitt and him throwing it again like 14 seconds past is how they were counting counting it which is third fastest on the team and like 25th fastest in all baseball but i just i don't know it's like he was purpose built for this new style of get the ball throw the ball now it didn't result in great you know results because he got goddamn shelled yeah well he also got squeezed i mean like Oh, the, yeah. The lower no. end of the zone was just gone for him. He needs that to, to do Yeah, anything. which is tough for a sinker ball pitcher. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was not not the, the best called game on earth. <laughs> and um, he did get a warning, too. I don't, I don't know if he saw that at one point, but the ump came out and warned him for going too fast. So he's well, clearly that, zipping along there. And that's part of what I want to talk about, it too. It's like, isn't the rule that if you're in the box, you can pitch? Like, 
Like well, that, no, now it's they have to be engaged with you. It's, it's, they have to be looking at you in there. Yeah. I love when we make new rules that can just be kind of like, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what it means. Subjective, yeah. Like, why, why, why should we have concrete rules? This is baseball. It's supposed to be insane and dumb. Like, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> that's your argument. I accept. But um, I just, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see if we get some some firmer numbers on when the guy actually, uh, like, I'm assuming that's, that's being, I'm assuming it's compiled already and we're going to get some sort yeah. of thing where I, I'm just curious to see who, between time of the pitchcock actually starting and it gets out of their hands, who the fastest guys and workers are going to be. Because we also know who the slowest ones are on um, the Guardian specifically. It's James Karinczak and Emmanuel Classe. I don't know. How did you, let me ask you something. I guess it's a tangential trend, uh, tr- uh, kind of transfer, but how did you feel about the, the Seattle fans like counting down the pitch clock a- as uh, certain relievers were on the mound? I, I know they did it to Karen Chek and to De Los Santos. What were your uh, what were your vibes? Because I thought it was funny. Oh, I, I, I wish I they were it. counting a different time. <laughs> honestly, yeah, no, I I freaking love. I love the fact that when he got that when Karen Chek got that first violation, the crowd erupted. I think anything you can give the crowd, like you give them a reason to believe they're affecting the game, you're going to make the game so much louder. And like the mm-hmm. counting down thing, it reminds me of um, like watching the Taiwan team and the WBC when they had the chants and everything, like getting people to chant anything, I think is fun in a baseball game. And if you get them to count down, I mean, I, ask me again in like August when yeah. it's happened so many times, but, yeah. but right now it's fun. Like anything that gets the fans involved when it's that, I think is really cool. I think they mentioned on the broadcast that they should be counting at the wrong time to mess with them. It would be awesome if they coordinate that. Oh, yeah, that would be incredible. Um, I mean, they they can see it in a bright. We don't see it on the screen, but pitchers can see the, the, uh, what do you call it, the timer. So maybe it won't work, but maybe like Karinczak, he's just so in his head at that point and not looking at the clock that maybe it would work. But, but yeah, I think in this case it was awesome. It was awesome like when it happens and they were so loud it shook the camera. Yeah. (laughs) That was fun. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But ask me again later, but for now I think it's it's amazing, even though it happened against – Two of the pitchers on my team favorite team. I know JT Ralmuto was talking about that after they get they were up they gave up like a nine run single inning and he was like yeah man this this momentum is something else like it, it's if 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 the pitcher lets it get to them it gets to them really hard and like just it's almost like you could see that happening with Karinchak with that three run home run in the first game you're like oh no it's good. this is gonna go so bad <laughs> it's just it's just it just it's just built and built and built until. Eventually, who was it? Was it um, yeah, Ty France just, just moonshotted him? And I mean, the Guardians were not coming back from that one because Castillo was so good and their bullpen is dope. So, yeah. yeah. And I imagine that's going to happen more. Like, that's that's got to be a spiral. Like, if you get, if you throw a bad pitch or something and you look up at the timer and suddenly it's down to like 10 seconds, like, there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do. You just got to get up there and pitch again. Yeah, exactly. You can't like walk around the mound to like really take a breath. You just can't do it. I, I think, I feel like I saw. Um, someone on the Guardians trying to like I think it was Heron actually like after he got one of his strikeouts he he tried to go for a little like strikeout like you know stalk <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's like yeah you know, I mean it's, it's something pitchers do and he, and instead he just could not he's like he had to get pitch <laughs> again he's like oh well sorry buddy get in there <laughs> I do think um I'm fully into the speed of the game right now and the uh, the bat to bat I wouldn't mind at all if they just didn't do the timer between at bats. Because that, that's not the, that's never been the problem for me. It's always mm-hmm. been the pace within it at bat. Like I want to see Jose Ramirez strut out. I want to see catchers be able or pitchers be able to do that little strut after they get a strikeout. Like I don't care how long it takes between at bats. I want between pitches to be as fast as it is now. So if that I mean, was, come a on, don't we want to see Lance Lynn adjust himself after every strikeout and, yeah. and, and <laughs> exactly. curse at the and curse at the departing um, hitter? Like I don't know. It's, <laughs> 
That's, our, that's everybody's. That's, that's America's picture right there. We want to see him be the most American man he can be. But yeah, I, I think the the between stuff is not as important as which maybe that would that probably helps overall time get down. But I don't care about overall time. It's pace that I want to get down and and speeding up between pitches is what does that. So yeah, and I, I don't think I, they're going to change it at this point. But if they would, that would be something. I would mm-hmm. that was something my brother and I because and we we went to the Nats game this or uh, this past Saturday and. Um, that's the one thing we're talking about. It's just in general, you're just not at the ballpark as much anymore. Like the game on what it, Saturday night, like I didn't see any because I got home like nine thirty after going to the ball game and going out after and getting a couple beers, and then I watched a little basketball. And all of a sudden, it was eleven o'clock, and the game was like basically over. I'm like, what the? But like even being at the stadium, I will say it was a little weird for the game to end. And I still have like half a beer left. I'm like, what's how? How? What happened here? So <laughs> I do wonder if at some point the vendors are going to bring that up because they're going to have a full year of looking if it affected sales at all. Um, I, I think, cause even if we settle into the speed, like, I don't know, do you just buy a beer earlier than you normally would? But I guess the thing, like I'm used to buying a beer, you know, before the game and then like the fourth inning and then the seventh inning or something like that. <laughs> and then the seventh, eighth, ninth and on the way out. Well, that's the thing. They cut off beer sales in the seventh and it's like, all right, whatever. So you, you got me, um, <laughs> but I don't know. So it's, I don't know. I will say just being at the park itself. It's, it's hard to like, one of the nice things about going to a game, you know, I was there with a, with a few friends, like my wife and some other people that, that we knew, and we were jawing and bullshitting, and I look up, and all of a sudden, the inning is over. And, like, you know, obviously, it's my own fault for not paying attention, and admittedly, it's the Nats against the the Braves, so. You damn millennials got to look at your phone and talking to friends, whatever. I, you know what? Watch Maybe it's my game. own fault for trying to have a social <laughs> experience. I don't know. Um, I mean. I, I think part of that, like, we, we were talking before the show, I think part of it is. Just the fact that it's early in the season, a lot of these are, there's never a ton of hitting early in the season. And I think part of that is making everything go by much faster. Like you, know, like you said, like the guys will start wearing down a little bit. The hitters will start warming up and getting getting in the groove. Like there's some guys who don't have hits yet, right? Not, I don't think, that, I think everyone on the Guardians has gotten their first hit that plays regularly at least, right? Yeah, yes. everyone's got a hit that on them. But like, the only guys who, who haven't who played it, who, uh, Cam Gallagher and uh, Mabry's Valori have not gotten a hit yet, but they, can, they have four bats between the two of them. So. But that's the thing, guys kind of get in the groove and yeah. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But and overall, I mean, this was this was a fun series. Like NASCAR does their thing where they, they start with the Daytona five hundred because it's their Super Bowl they put up, they they call it sort of, but it's kind of felt like that because this is not not to ruin the rest of the season, but this is gonna end up being like one of the best series oh, it was incredible. they had. It was awesome. Like every se- every game had their own story and they were tight. Like that's the thing. Even a nine to four game that we had on what Friday, like didn't feel like I- that. It didn't feel like that at all. Like Seattle was still threatening and getting guys on base and pitching okay. You know, uh, the uh, the Guardians just were better. Is all they just they, they just kind of knocked the rust off after getting brutalized in game one and then game two. Like what's that was the Savali two was yeah, oh that, that was the one where Quan had five RBI. Right, it was the second game. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, game. I'm, yeah, and the, I'm sorry. Game three, the, the two to nothing game was Savali uh, so, and Savali was just unhittable, and Naylor went went yard. Didn't Jimenez also go yard that yeah, game? Yeah, there was two yeah. solo home runs. That was the most unguardians like win ever. This but, is uh, how we penciled it in <laughs> going into the year. Like, but that was, the, I mean, that was the one where Savali was holy hell. He looked really good. That cutter, even when it was over the plate, it was it looked unhittable. It, again, like like Aaron's slider, it just looks like it disappears, and it's just there, and they swing and miss. He is a guy very much who I, I'm, 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 as far as the pitching rules are concerned, or the, the fielding rules are concerned with the shift, I, he's the one I, I think I probably have in my head circled the most as like guy who might struggle even more so than Quantrill, just 
because at least Quanfa can kind of hump up, you know, throw, throw hard occasionally. Savali does not have the velocity, so he, he, he does pitch into his defense. But yeah. luckily, behind him are great <laughs> defenders, so it, it works out. This is an original thought. Somebody said that. I can't remember who, but somebody mentioned that like pitchers like Savali, who have a bunch of pitches, I wonder if that helps with the speed. Because if you get like the batter in that that spiral of this is going mm-hmm. really fast, and you have like, seven pitches chair, you can yeah. throw. Yeah, yeah. That, I think with Savali, a pitcher like that who can throw – he threw all five or six on that start and he looked really great. Like if you can do that consistently, you're going to just throw so many batters off. They don't have time to sit and read you and try to figure out what you're doing. It's just next pitch is here, hit it, whatever it is. Yeah. Cause if it's someone like, I mean, I'm not going to say Spencer Strider is, hard, is easy to hit. He is not, he's very good, but he's a, you know, he's a two and a half pitch pitcher. If you're facing a good lineup that might, you know, you guys can sit fastball a little bit easier. At least if you're facing someone like Savali, it's like, you can sit fastball, but he's throwing four of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're all moving ever so slightly differently. Exactly. So it's like, and, and then you can drop that curveball, which is just really, really good. It has change up and everything else, too. Um, that's a, that's a, that's an excellent, I didn't even think about that. That's um, It was not original thought. I tried to look before. I could not remember, like, if it was in our comments or on Twitter, but somebody mentioned that. I thought that was a really good point. Well, it's your thought now. Trademark. Yeah, that is mine. Let's yeah. just edit out all that crediting I tried to give. That's all <laughs> I know. Let um, the producer it, know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I no, think it's, oh, go ahead. That, that's an excellent. I mean, that's that's. A, I didn't even think about that because I mean, they always say you want to get the, the hitter in a, in a rocking chair, right? Like work up, then go, then then pitch slow and uh, low and away, throw a curveball. But it's there is definitely. A, I wonder if that then that would kind of pile up on other guys, you know, in the even in, within the inning because they all talk to each other. It's like, hey, what do you throw you? I have no idea. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> um, and I don't think it can be overstated like how good this Mariners lineup is too. Like I, like every lineup, it's the, the early in the season, so maybe they weren't they weren't quite up to. Uh, what they're they're gonna be but i mean the guardians is 11 pitchers only three allowed in earned run quantrill gaddis and karen and i mean this isn't a home run like oh, half of them are projected to hit 20 home runs ty france is a beast um he's i i he's a guy i always just kind of forget exists and you look at his oh, fan graphs page like holy shit it's like 130 wrc plus every year Seattle, so you know but yeah Hey, I fall asleep yeah, watching I Seattle, <laughs> so I hear that I hear those names as I'm drifting off. But no, again, this is a 90 plus win team, and it wasn't all just pitching and defense. Like they they, they can hit the ball. Julio Rodriguez is no slouch at all. He's a great hitter. Well, Colton Wong is fine. Like I said, France. Who went to Suarez? I don't know. I'm a, several minds about him. Quite honestly, I think they kept <laughs> yeah, talking about them, yeah. clinic, and I don't know. He definitely not living up to the hype. Um, he always looks like I tweeted. It, he looks like he's on the verge of tears every at bat. I don't know why. I don't know. He just I, he, he could put it together. I don't know. We'll see. We see how it goes. But like you said, I, I forgot that he did. Like this, I love the first couple games of the season. I'm like, oh yeah, he's on that team. Like they got to take <laughs> yeah. Oscar Hernandez. Like that was honestly a pretty good pickup. Yeah, they have Sam Haggerty is on their bench. Who's an old Guardian uh, farmhand. There's, there's just people everywhere. But you know, like, they're not like you know they're not world beating you know Dodgers. Padres level offense, but it's not it's not a bunch of slouches. And the fact that they, like you said, they shut them out twice, right? Yes. No, once. Twice or just once, just the once. Yeah. Once, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. But even that, yeah. I mean but that was great. Um and it's, it'll be nice to get McKenzie back. Obviously, Gaddis did not have the uh, the ideal start. But I mean he wasn't he was not nearly as bad as what he was last year. I think that change oh, no. up we saw a little bit. That thing is ridiculous when it works. It's straight up a wiffle ball, and he had a couple of those pitches in there if he can I hope this is like a good starting point for Gaddis to not have, if this was another disaster, like this feels like it would be awful for him. But the fact that there was something to build off of, I think could help him. And the fact he gets to face the A's in his next start, I think will also help because they are God awful. and They're just getting worse. Um, so maybe that'll help him too. I the I mean, the other weird thing about the pitchers is, do you know who, can you guess who the top three strikeouts came from? Or it's, there's four that were tied for the most. 
the most strikeouts by the Guardians. Yeah. Or no, there was okay. So there's <laughs> there's two, and then two were tied for third place. So I'm assuming it's Bieber. Gaddis had four, so him is in there. I'm, I'm just looking at his numbers right now, and then I'm assuming Heron's in there somewhere. So <laughs> I don't know who is it. Tell me. Do you watch much baseball anymore? Boo! I hate that you have that thing now. Um, <laughs> no, it was um, Stefan Morgan and then Heron and Gaddis both have four. So Bieber's not even up there. It was all true, relievers yeah. and Gaddis. Yeah, he, was just, he was skating back and forth. He was he was pitching very much into his own defense. I was I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not worried about his start, but I did. I did it wasn't like yeah, it was. A, he's, he's definitely not the power Shane Bieber anymore. He's well, just watching what he was going up against opposite like. You reminded, oh yeah, that's what an ace yeah. looks like. <laughs> like, whoa. It would be nice if they could find another one of those guys. And I think Bieber can, you know, I mean, I figure once we could get into like May, June, July, he'll be back, he'll be feeling better and they'll have McKenzie back, hopefully. But yeah, just seeing like what, what what Castillo could do with the ball and then the fact that they got to raise so quickly was great too. But the other fun thing about that game, which I did not know until I'd never heard about it at all, is the little three D like game day thing. That was that's wild to watch. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but like you can go in. It's only the MLB TV free games, but you can go in either on desktop or on your app, and like you know, you usually see the at bat, and they use the little MLB the Show model, yeah, a little corny thing. But you can do a 3D version where it uses the Hawkeye tracking. You can see every little movement they do. That's that's I don't like was, that. I mean, I it like was the it, but wildest it's like, thing. That is creepy. And strange. It is creepy because yeah. I was just sitting and watching Robbie or um, Julio Rodriguez in the outfield for like a solid five minutes, just seeing what he was doing. What are you doing out here, buddy? <laughs> And like between rest. innings, you can see him like walk back and like all the infields huddle together. And you can actually see because, because you know, Jose Ramirez stands, his shoulders are up. It like interprets that as his arms are always up. So he looks hilarious. And you can tell which one is Jose. <laughs> and you can actually see him like do his little swagger walk back to third base. It's, it's both awesome up. and a little creepy, but I love it. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I want to see that more. I just want to see it used more. So that was really cool. Anything else before? Which was your favorite games? game of the four? I like Savali being really good, even though that was only two <laughs> home runs. Because that one also had Andres Jimenez um, making a really good defensive play, and his home run was great. Hitting a moonshot, yeah. And we got, and blast. We got a, a good big boy in his, uh, his, his maiden home run for the year. Oh, I can't wait to see him do that 35 more times. <laughs> 35 at least, and also Josh Bell. I don't know, probably that one, I guess. I, I guess the last one was fun, too, because Mike Zanino was hitting home runs, but also oh, that one ended weird with Josh. We talk about Zanino, don't we? Oh God. We do. He's, he's legit. We have a question about him in the, the list. That's like, why I haven't it, mentioned it much. But. Okay. Okay. We can circle back to that for the question then. Because yeah, but I, he's looked legit so far. Well, you know, I've got the play charge, <laughs> Steven Kwan's game was fun too. The, the second game, but also that one, I didn't have to recap that one. And I stayed up to like three in the morning with the previous one. So I was kind of half watching that one, half asleep, but that one was fun too. Um, I watched that one the next day. I think that was my favorite, and then I fell asleep watching F1 qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anything else about the past game? What was your favorite game? I guess you just said that one. Yeah, that one. Just, 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 uh, yeah, listen, yeah, they lost. Uh, they, tough luck loss in the first game. They the just kind of brutal just because they couldn't hit Luis Castillo. Took him to the woodshed. A bunch of guys got hits. Felt good. I was seeing Quan just continue to cook. He's probably my favorite player on the team at this point. I mean, him or Naylor, honestly, are my two favorite players. Really, I think mine has turned into Jimenez. And considering I was a very big Jimenez doubter at the beginning, I'm not, I'm not besmirching Andres Jimenez in any way. I just I think Quan is hilarious, and I, 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 could, I always just imagine an entire team of guys exactly like that, and how much no one would like playing them. You're like, this is the worst. And then Naylor is just a big old, he's just like a barrel. 
Like, they, they, they barrel chested. No, this man is just a barrel with legs. It's incredible. <laughs> it's really great. I, I still love his stance. I, I also like the bow nailer kind of stands like him, too. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not nearly as barrel chested as, as Josh Adorable. is. He does the same exact thing. I, think and I just, I just love the home run he had. I just, I just love the way he gets into a home run. Like he's just like leaning back, like he's almost falling over. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I can't wait to see some more big clutch home runs for him. Um, anything else about the past games before we go on to answering our, our team no I can't wait for questions. more baseball I hope they play again soon I think they oh I just got they will what do you know oh good you know, <laughs> turns out they will 159 more times I'm glad we get this breaking news coming in it's fantastic <laughs> we're playing 163 games that you just said <laughs> you know so what <laughs> they're going to play at least 170 because they're going to get uh, to the postseason there you go um, yeah as, as always on Monday we ask on Twitter and Facebook if anybody has any questions and we got I think some really good ones they're always good when the season first starts our first one from Kevin Bean on Twitter he asked can you give a primer on why so many people or why so many guards fans are lukewarm on Ahmed Rosario I'm not as advanced stats litter as I would like to be and this is a really good question I think the way you phrased it is perfect too it's not that anybody like hates Ahmed Rosario it's that everybody's just kind of lukewarm on him he's just yeah. a very lukewarm player <laughs> part of that I think comes his his ability matched with how much playing time he gets at a premium position does not match up what you might think it would be which and also where he bats in the lineup second every day mm-hmm. like if he was a utility guy and batted like eighth i don't i think everybody would love him absolutely yeah. but it's the fact that he plays an everyday shortstop he's not a great defensive shortstop he plays second he's not when Andres Jimenez is hitting like seventh he's sitting second <laughs> um i think it's just a matter of that and and just just that he gets a lot of playing time for he's he's still does i think it's also a lot of guardians fans are looking to the future of the guys they have mm-hmm. like arias and freeman and angel martinez in a couple of years so everybody just kind of sees him as a roadblock which isn't necessarily fair to ahmed he's still it's a lot of teams would give up a lot to have a, a above average shortstop bat who can also play the position even though he's not a gold glover it's kind of like that family guy thing. Like anything could be in the box. It could be yeah, a boat. It could be a uh, boat. Yeah, we we have a we have a small boat, but in the box could be a, a larger boat or a kind Any of kind of boat at all. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think that's basically it. It's just his, his playing time compared to to what he does is. I mean, I, I think it's that's part of it. I mean, first of all, I think he has gotten better defensively ever since he literally he started diving. I can't believe that was that's all it took. It's like all right, like that's what they talked about last year. It's like yeah, he started to dive more. I'm like what? <laughs> we told so, him he can use his glove now. Now he's really good. He's got to figure it out. Yeah. So I think it's 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 a manifold of reasons, right? I mean, obviously, like you said, him batting second in a premium position, who he's replacing. I, I think it always sucks to be the guy immediately. At, not I, I know he didn't immediately replace um, Francisco Lindor, but he kind of did actually. Yeah. Um, so replacing Francisco Lindor, who was a beloved player, you know, bigger than Cleveland, obviously. I, th- I think we we've discussed that in the past. There's a certain level of streakiness to him, I guess. It's just intensely frustrating. Because when he's on, it's just dazzling. But when he's off, it's so awful. And like you said, if he's doing that and he's batting, just to pick a random place in the batting order, let's say seventh. And the guy's <laughs> batting, let's say seventh is batting second instead. <laughs> then feel I feel a little bit better. So, it's again, like you said, it's not like people hate him. It's just he's incredibly streaky. He's, at best, a just... Barely above league average hitter. I think you had a 105 WRC plus last year or something like that. So 5% better than average, which again, it's fine. It's just having a guy like him, he just fits the, where he is in the, in the lineup 
and what his skill set is is so like 1966. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, exactly. Yeah, like because he's just, fast, so you got to put. He's the shortstop, and he's fast. He's got a bad second. Right. The guy in front of him gets on base, and he and no matter what happens, Rosario will not ground into a double play. I'm like, great. <laughs> How about he just hits good? So. Um, he just he has a, a, a relatively, and we'll see if that, how this changes with the new rules and everything like that w- between the bigger bases and the lack of shifting. Will he get more seeing eye signals and th- things like that? But I mean, and then the last part, like you said, it's just I have been told over the last however many years that the thing that the Guardians have more than of anything else is premier middle infield prospects, and the fact that I have to watch Ahmed Rosario, not these guys were supposed to be like amazing. It's frustrating to me. That being said, Clint Frazier was released. All these young prospects keep on getting released. Like, as you know, a, a mutual Twitter friend of ours says, Ed Carroll, trade your prospects. Like, so yeah. use them to turn your, your big team into a better team. I'm, I'm always, you know, like I was looking at the, the lineup for the uh, yesterday, I guess, for the, um, the Clippers. And I was like, I wonder how many of these guys could turn into, I don't know, a great player. All of them? Fine. Trade the entire lineup. So, yeah, I think that's why. It's just he's replacing a guy who was just one of the be- you know, one of the three best at the position and one of the best shortstops in Cleveland history. He's incredibly streaky. Um, he's seen, like you said, seems to be a roadblock, and he's perfectly fine. And I guess that's that's, <laughs> that's really me. all yeah, it is. Yeah. He's perfectly fine. He's, perfectly. he's, he's the guy I'm going to root for when he leaves, like when he's when he signs oh, yeah. somewhere for $100 million because there's no other shortstops. I, think I have come around on him. You know, like I think last year was definitely a sea change, especially because it was the defensively. I think that that's really what it was. He was just a sieve in 2021, and he became much more sure-handed and confident and everything like that and really kind of made the whole infield kind of work a little bit better. It's just it's the most important position in the entire field, defensive. Second most important. And there was Second a play. Third, depending on how you want to flip yeah. shorts, shorts out <laughs> the center. But, yeah. Yeah, and there was a play in that that um, that two zero game where I, I mentioned in the recap. There's a video of it if you want to see. Like I don't I don't know if I'm. This is just some guy on a couch a thousand miles away critiquing a professional athlete. But more than that, Matt, you know how far <laughs> several, away Seattle is. Listen, it's I, so it's Matt, far, it's hard. several thousand, <laughs> a million miles away at least. But there was a play where it was like a dribbler back to second, and they both kind of they're both running at the ball, and it seemed like one of those plays where the shortstop has the natural the natural angle to grab it and with his momentum step on second make the throw. But Andres Jimenez had to like swoop in front of him and get it and then do a much more difficult play to get the double play. And full credit to Rosario for knowing to bail. But yeah. but the fact that I think they were swapped 100% of the time Jimenez makes that. I think most shortstops probably make that. But mm-hmm. it's just kind of one of the little things that show you that he's not an elite defensive shortstop. There was a play like that, I think, on this, in the game on Sunday. Very similar. Kind of a grounder up the middle. I mean, it, it could have gone either way. But like you said... Assuming you have an elite ranging shortstop, he probably gets that ball and is able to at least get an out of not two outs, and then the Mariners end up scoring on that uh, later that inning as well. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where he's perfectly fine. And considering what we used to see there, and who also who plays second, a better shortstop, and what is supposed to be in the minors, it's like I feel like we could do better. Like I, I, I hate to run a guy out of town because he's perfectly fine, but. And obviously, in a month or so, he's going to hit 600 the entire month. We go, this is awesome. Hell yeah, dude. Well, the good thing is you won't have to run him out of town because at the end of the year, he's going to sign a big contract. There you go. It's perfect. Trade him. Speaking of of great defense, Missy Grzynczyk on Facebook. She asks, so far there's been a lot of pass balls. How long will Tito stick with Zanino if he doesn't perform at the plate? And good (laughs) Lord. We knew coming in because there was that new... um, 
the yeah. leaderboard stat that the baseball savant and Mike Petriol and them put together, he was one of the worst. And we saw the numbers of it. We we saw that. I, I just don't think it clicked just how. Well, we, we talked about sample awesome. size. You know, we didn't play <laughs> yeah. a lot of games last year, so it's probably not a big deal. But oh, it's just like every single time because the guard. I I just don't think we noticed with Sam Hentges that the Guardians throw they spike so many curveballs, like especially Shane Bieber, like his big twelve to six curve. Yeah, hits the dirt. You got to stop that, and just every time it just bounces off the Nito, and there it goes. He's running again. Having a guy on third and having any of those guys, any of them, honestly, yeah, it's terrifying. Karen Chak. Savale, like they have these huge curveballs that is part of the reason that this team's been good for, for a while now. They produce incredible pitchers. You need to be able to stop the ball. And it's just, it's driving me nuts because I'm like, it's just Perez everything. would have stopped that. <laughs> Gomes would have stopped that. Henches, or Hedges would have stopped that. Luke Maley probably would have stopped that. Luke Maley probably would have stopped that. And it's just I mean, part of that is we've just been spoiled by great defensive catchers, but oh, also. Yeah. It's it seems like because Mike Petriello tweeted today is like a teaser for the leaderboard coming out that looking at the 2023 leaderboard and someone is already negative five and instantly like five Guardians fans like yeah we know it's Mike Zanino we've we've been watching the game we know I, I think if all right silver lining we're really understanding now why the front office just completely eschewed offense yeah. when it came to the catching <laughs> position because yeah it sucks where. Once every three innings, you have to watch a guy, you know, tap lazily out to the you know shortstop or whatever. But if every inning or every whatever, I don't know, all of a sudden I'm on edge, and like it, it, it has to play a trick with some of the the less confident younger pitchers too, right? Like, can I throw, you know, my big curve in this moment where there's a guy on third and it's a two-two count? And there's two outs. Like I, I have a chance to throw a big out pitch here. Can I do that though, or is that run going to score? Especially for a reliever, like that sucks. So he catch, you know, I, I you know, it's like he misses stuff. It's just watch. I mean, he's, every other aspect he's fine at catching, as far as I can tell. Like his framing is fine. I'm sure he calls a decent game. They've got a bunch of good pitches already, but it's just that one aspect. Like, can you imagine the difference between just knowing wherever the ball goes, Hentges is going to dive on it and be there, and then otherwise it's just a brick wall back there not moving it's yeah like you said it's got to mess with some people i interesting to see obviously by the time this is recorded by the time this comes out zach please x that already be over but he seems like a guy that if this happens a couple times it might get in his head a little bit and then mm-hmm. he might just collapse instantly but well a good thing for him he doesn't have any good pitches so <laughs> uh. <laughs> i don't worry about that <laughs> but he's kind of uh, one like we'll we'll see watch him pitch no hitter now just because yeah. i said that but I, I, I will say I'm looking forward all of a sudden to them playing the Royals just so I can watch Salvador Perez again. Because, listen, that guy can – first of all, he's 17 feet tall and 8 feet wide. But also, he can block a pitch. And it's just I, – I, I guess, if nothing else, it's silver lining where you're like, I can now much better appreciate something because what what I had and I got used to it and now I've lost it. So. This is just a way of showing us. And I'm, yeah. I'm, hey, I'm listen, excited. idiots. We had this for a reason. Sure, he – like he'll hit two eighty and hit twenty eight home runs and it'd be a, like a negative three win hitter or player. Like, well, the good news is Austin Hedges. He is out there on uh, the Pirates, so they could trade whatever and they'll get him back. Because hey, do you want this pile of garbage? Hey, we some <laughs> we have a, literally a bag of baseballs. Yeah, actually, those cost money. <laughs> we have those. <laughs> I'm cheap. Yeah, and and to answer the question, like how long he'll stick? I think if he hits like he has, 
over the weekend because I mean he was terrible in the first. He's not going to hit a home run and two doubles in every game. But if he kind well, of if he does that, two, then we're fine. Well, yeah. then if he hits 162 home runs, and yeah, but yeah. but if he averages out to this series, I think you can leave him in there until Naylor's ready. Like, well, that's the thing. Like Naylor's mashing the ball. Obviously, it's early going. Like, I guess I, I, he has to be ready this year. Obviously, like he's a 23 or four year old or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, that old. But yeah, he's he's, he's early 20s and he's in AAA and he's hitting and he can already play good defensive catching. Like, and then what, I know, and then the second question there obviously is, what do you do with Zanino? But that's a question for another day because, like, you don't need a, a, a bad defensive catcher on the bench. I already have two bad offensive I, Actually, two catchers I don't know anything about, quite honestly, because they're non entities to me. Between, uh, again, a man whose name I won't remember next week, but Mabry's Valoria and the other guy. Kim Gallagher. Is that who they Oh, yeah, yeah. Kim Gallagher. Okay. <laughs> Long time yeah. Ago. Yeah. Damn, that can't wait to have Cam Gallagher. <laughs> He's, I mean, neither one of them is not going to be there for very long. I think, like the the situation, we've already seen a situation where having three catchers kind of screwed them because they had to stick Josh Naylor in right field. Oh, uh, that was great, and he got yeah. to throw show the, off his sick arm. So yeah. I don't know what the hell <laughs> the you're talking ball about? Immediately went to him. That was dope. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think this has worked out the way the front office probably hoped. Like using. He's been a little slow in the pinch hitting for the catchers, and the result was just sticking a guy out there on on defense. Yeah. But I um, mean, again, it's early. Yeah, it's, Four it, games. none of this matters too much. It's maybe he'll maybe Zunino will settle back in and start blocking balls. But it, those are the types of things that early in a season you can talk about and be like, "This doesn't seem good." It'll probably be fine, right? Right, guys. Hey, where are you guys going? Get back here, right? No. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's a wait and see. But to, to answer your question, listener. Hopefully June, because then they can call up a uh, Bo Naylor and you know manipulate service time, and then he'll hit so well he'll win Rookie of the Year, and then it won't matter, and they'll lose eight years service time because they were jerks. So there you go. I think yeah, I can't wait for Naylor to come up. He's going to be so he's going to be fast, athletic, and hitting the ball. Yeah, he's we'll, good, we'll, man. We'll That's... be saying things like Adley Hooman at no <laughs> Hooley Rutschman. We'll figure one out. I don't know, whatever. Adley, yeah, Adley Trashman. Yeah, Trashley Whatman. Yeah, you know things like that. <laughs> Uh, I think we'll finish up with this question here. I like this one. Uh, Matt Obendorf on Facebook. He asked, when will Trevor Steffen overtake James Karinchak for the full-time setup role? And, Hasn't uh, he? I, I don't think so. See, my answer was I don't want him to. I want James Karinchak to stay in the eighth inning and get a clean slate and have Trevor Steffen be like the fireman guy. I mean, if you look on uh, baseball reference, right now, currently, Trevor Steffen is listed as the closer. <laughs> so... The real question what being, <laughs> when, when is Emmanuel Classe going to be the closer again? Mm, yeah, yeah. Has he has he lost his job? Um, no, I, honestly, I like that look as well because it's nice that like just as we saw with um, with uh, Miller back in the uh, back in 2016, especially yeah. having that guy where you just you have this at, at any given time um, you can be like, okay, fine, we're going to have the best splitter in baseball come in, screw you, and it'll work out because he's. I mean, right now he is he is the second best relief pitcher on the team. Um, like you said, having Karinchek come in with you know with with a clean slate is what he needs. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm probably fine with the situation right now. Yeah, but I, I, I understand, I understand the other side of things. I I I, I can't imagine James Karinchek as a fireman, but now I am, and for some reason I love it. So I don't know. I think it's, it's in terms of like the pecking order of who's the best relievers. I think Trevor Steffen is probably overtaking Karinchek just because he's better, ridiculously good, and Karinchek is. Up and down. When Karen checks out his best, I think he's better and almost as good as Class A. But you absolutely never know what you're going to get when he goes out yeah. there. I mean, I think. I mean, who? If, if gun to my head, like, do I want to go with him or Neil De Los Santos in a key situation? I'd probably go Karen Jack, but I'd, I'd think about it. <laughs> the fact that you have to think, like, I don't, I'm not going to think about it with like Neil and 
Trevor Stefan or Emmanuel Clase. I like Sam Henches more than James Karinchak. I I don't know. I just I, he's huge. Like he's thrown from a higher position. He th- has a better. You know, we throw some more strikes. Uh, so I don't know. Like it's an embarrassment of riches. I guess is is the nice part about it is they have all these guys where we can have this conversation. Um, you know, you, the the ninth inning is tidied up, and then you can figure out another three innings there. So really, you, you only ever need a, a starter and had to go five innings. And considering who their three, four, and five are most days, that's fine. So. Yeah. yeah, and pretty soon if they got those those big three prospects coming up. Like, I mean, Jesus, that's a lot of pitching. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. The thing is, ridiculous. it's funny because it's still not enough pitching. It's never enough. They're yeah. going to need more pitching. Uh, on that note, Merritt, call it for this week. If you haven't already, follow us on Cover the Corner on Twitter. I'm Matt ROI. Merritt is at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch with lunch. And if you haven't already, leave a review on the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen to Disgusting Baseball. Thanks for listening, and uh, Merritt. Talk to you next week. I'll be there.